Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Tonelli, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Agongo and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite to talk about Monster's side mission, but first, skate parks. Montclair, New Jersey is the most recent place to build a skate park I'd actually want to skate. Alexis Sablone is the one behind the design, which is more of an art project than traditional skate park. We've seen more and more parks popping up recently that seem more geared to fun than flow and give skaters more space than what they're used to. Jason, how are you feeling about these new parks today? Man, I'll, I'll tell you, after after being in D.C. for a couple of days, uh, like skating Pulaski all day and just like, you know, vibing out there, I'm kind of down on par- park, dude. Like, I'll take them or leave them because like the juice, the juice of street skating, it's like, it's like fucking Tom Sizemore and he, like the action is the juice. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's worth the squeeze for sure. Yeah, the juice is 100, yeah, a million percent worth the squeeze. So I'm kind of down on them, but. That being said, I think these parks, like this one in Montclair and the one that Ryan helped make in uh, Arizona, I forgot what it's called, it's kind of a cool way to go because it's like low impact. You don't feel like you're dropping in on an X Games course. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these, I don't know what they're called, like flow parks. Yeah, like garbage bowl or something. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's they're gigantic because of the way they're designed. Like only one person can skate them at a time. We like you drop in. You know, do a little run, go to the bowl, like, you know, carve the bowl, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, in general, down on them, but these little uh, low-impact parks are pretty cool, especially for, like, you know, kids or people that are just starting to skate because they're always just starting to skate. Like, I don't know, going to some of these flow parks would be, like, insane or, like, super intimidating. It's a huge roll of the dice just to pull up to any of those parks, whether or not you're a little kid or you're, you're, you're fully grown. And here's another thing. A lot of these slow-impact parks, they're not just good – for beginners, they're also great for intermediate or older skaters because everybody can get some tricks off. And this is something I got to witness firsthand at Slow Impact at Perry Park, which is in Phoenix proper, and Mitchell Park, or the extension to Mitchell Park, which was just added about a, two weeks before Slow Impact, and that's in Tempe, Arizona. And more importantly, thinking about this, you know, putting on my civil servant hat, although this is not an endorsement of any government agency of the United States. These small, slow-impact parks are great for fiscal responsibility. You want to talk about being good stewards of the taxpayer money or the taxpayer's money. Hey, a small park that doesn't cost Boku dollars that's easy to build and easy to maintain is way better than having to go through the lengthy vendor-searching requests for proposals, cost overruns. I mean, it would be great. A future episode would be great to just get maybe a, a group of folks to talk about how difficult it can be to build a skate, get a skate park built, and why more often than not, we end up with either terrible designs or big sprawling parks that are out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what the what the process is and how come they end up being what they are. And I've heard stories of, you know, different stakeholders making demands. Uh, the story I'm thinking of is at uh, Ed Benedict Skate Park here in Portland. It's like an extremely street-oriented park, really like, top-notch skate park has granite ledges and shit uh, but there's like a mini ramp section and supposedly some contingent of transition skaters were like basically up in arms about the lack of transitions at this park and it's like dude you have every other skate park in the northwest to skate like give the street skaters their park so there's like basically a concrete mini ramp there which seems pretty sick but nobody skates it it would be rad if it was like three feet but it's like five to six feet anyway therein lies yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, you know, I'm a known skate park hater, been skate park sober for quite some time, but 
very recently broke the edge to skate those uh, Arizona parks. I was in Arizona for a work thing and I, I went to Perry Park and Mitchell for like 30 minutes each. But I was like, man, this is this is what it's all about. This is some shit that I could get into. So exactly. I, I, I've lost my skate park sobriety. And then like I came home and I like skated the Adidas park with some people and like was trying to skate some other parks with some people. It, it was like floodgates are open. So homies, yeah. hit me up if you've got an in at the indoor park. You, you, you raised two very interesting points. And this actually ties to a lot of what happens in any kind of public facing design work is that who are the people who can afford to show up to council meetings or design committee meetings? They tend to be older people, retired folks, folks with alternative work schedules, because most of us who are nine to five can't get down to attend those meetings. And that's why more often than night, you've got a singular voice or a certain type of voice that ultimately guides the design of skate parks. And if it's AARP adjacent older skaters, they're going to be the ones who are like, we want to join that looks exactly like what we used to skate in the 80s, you know, before all the parts got torn out. And these, you know, the the development of micro parks, of, uh, of parks which have a, a better feel, a better flow, uh, or are a little bit more welcoming to a wider range of skaters, that's a huge push against an orthodoxy that has existed in skate park design. So, which then leads me to the question is, how do we translate all this for city council people, for urban planners, and people who don't skate? Because we can be hyped as we want about it, getting a Perry Park or whatever that's going to say, yo, it only costs 20,000 bucks. Believe us. But you got to convince a few of the people. Jason, I mean, what do you think are some strategies? I don't, I don't skate this. How do we get our minds right? How do we get our, our pitch our pitch decks ready? Yeah, I don't know. This whole, this whole part about skating parks, like, Dealing with municipal government and going to city hall meetings is something that, like, I really can't get my head around. Rather not deal with. But, yeah, with building skate parks, isn't it something like they get, like, a million dollars, two million dollars, whatever, and they have to spend all the money? It, it usually yeah. depends. But um, no, more often than not, like, it will probably be dispersed from parks and recreation or whichever department within your city. And, yeah, it's use it or lose it. Because if you don't use it, the following year when you are... Uh, putting together your city budget, your county budget, whatever, let's say, well, you didn't lose all that money for a skate park, so I'm going to cut your budget a bit. Well, like, I'd say, like, I'd rather, I mean, if you were pitching it, just say, like, oh, you can serve more people in the community or whatever, and probably you could build, like, four, you know, four to six of these little, you know, low-impact parks in different places around town, around the county, as opposed to, like, one big, like, you know, municipal county skate park with, like, a gigantic bowl and, like, an A-frame. A-frame, by the way, every park has an A-frame, something that exists nowhere in the streets or out in the world. Hey, they look pretty fun, though. I think the issue yeah. with, with all the little parks instead of one giant park is if you're a politician, you can get this giant park built. It's one project, and you have a huge feather you can stick in your cap and say, look, I, I got this skate park built. But if you're building six micro parks across the county, that just like isn't as impressive. And yeah. You know, you know, it might be more fun for us, but it's not as not that much fun for the politicians yeah. who are you know going to use that. Yeah. yeah. So one of the key roadblocks to Jason, you've just touched upon. Both of you just touched upon. What are the key roadblocks to having a consistent plan and policy for building out all of these skate parks? Is that there are a lot of uppercase and lowercase p politics when it comes to land use in the United States. One of the big roadblocks we have in particular is we have what's called the first past the post 
uh, political representation system as opposed to a proportional representation system. You can look these terms up. I won't get into too many details, but that, that is a root cause of a lot of the political gridlock that affects building things like skate parks, as well as housing and roads and transit stations. Speaking of, by the way, you both touched upon something. Skate parks, big skate parks tend to be way out in the middle of nowhere, especially in places where you have a lot of land. And what's frustrating about that is that they're far from any kind of facilities. So you don't have a bodega that's nearby. You don't have, say, um, you don't have public transit that's readily accessible. You don't have other things, you know, you don't have a skate shop that's nearby. So, you know, let's say you break your board at a skate park, like say Chino Skate Park or La Puente, you're going a little bit of a ways away to find the next skate, you know, skate shop to pick up something. Now, La Puente has pawn shop over in Pomona, for example, but that's not always the case. Skate parks, especially out here in Southern California, can be in some pretty remote areas. And so you have to come prepared and, and that's frustrating. And that's something I think it can be hard to hard to explain. Now, by contrast, the Montclair Park that the homie, the people's champ, Alexis Sablone designed, that's right near Walnut Street Station, which is on New Jersey Transit, and that connects to PATH, and PATH connects to the New York City subway. So if you got time, you could take public transit to go out there. But ideally, somebody in a neighboring, you know, in a neighboring city or township in Jersey could be able to take the bus or take NJ Transit to go skate this park. And that, to me, is huge. And apparently, there's a couple of really good restaurants and uh, little shops around that, you know, that little area. So shout out to Montclair. Shout out to the the Garden State. Yeah, shout out to them for like having the vision to let Alexis Sablone do her thing. I mean, she's she's like got a proven track record. She's because she did something like this in Malmo. So that probably makes it a little bit easier to buy into. But stoked for this. Yeah. Speaking of uh, you know local amenities near the skate park, the new park here in Richmond or Chesterfield County, Saxon Richmond is a pretty good location because it's near like that one street where all the strip clubs are. So there's like a there's like one of those new casinos. You know those casinos that are like only slots? There's like that shit. All the strip clubs are on there. You got McDonald's, Taco Bell, whatever you want. Skateboarding. It sounds like it fits right in. <laughs> great, great place for mom to drop the kids off at the skate park. You know, no bad influences around. There's just like a, a hint of sleaze. Just a hint. It's like Tampa Light. Yeah. Oh, it's like uh, it's it's like uh no, nah, it's nothing like Ebor. It's like it's like a more more like suburban strip mall version of Ebor, but like worse. Yeah, it sounds like sad Ebor city. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> not that's close. Yeah, that's closer to it. Oh my goodness, this sounds like a this sounds like a Big Brother article waiting to be written. <laughs> well, let's talk about some parks that we do like. Uh, I I've got the probably the most amazing skate park I've ever seen is in Japan. It's the Daitao Challenge Park. I don't know if you guys looked at that link I dropped in there, but it's yep. it's made of just pink granite tiles. It's got granite ledges, like, like a mellow bank with some stairs through the middle. Like the footage of it looks like a street spot that you're that's like amazing. So that that's, you know, the North Star, I think, for skate parks to my mind. Yeah, that looks in what's the deal with that? Was it like built by like uh the city or I have no idea. I mean, it's in Japan, so like information is kind of yeah hard to hard to come by. It, it looks insane. Like, yeah, like you said, it's like a street spot. Like, yeah, the thing about ground is, I was just thinking about this at Pulaski the other day. Like, having like granite ground like Pulaski or this place, it's like it makes skating flat like on easy mode. Like, you pop everything like a, like thirty percent higher. It seems like yeah, it just feels good. Sounds good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, even rolling over the letters, there's like, for those who don't know, Pulaski, 
there's like inscriptions carved around all over and you like roll through these inscriptions carved into the stone and even that feels good you know whereas you know normally it's like basically the ground is fucked up but somehow it just rolls rolls nice jason what are your favorite parks oh well around here uh the park in charlottesville virginia is really good uh ken russell zine you might remember him from uh you know chapter seven osiris all that shit but he's been you know he got way way in park design and you know he's like an og street guy so i think all his parks have like cool street elements for example this one has and uh, kind of an homage if you will to the eden gardens legends like ledges like you know that spot in like a bunch of old plan b videos like it was kind of like a like a three block or whatever and people would do manuals on them and stuff oh yeah it's kind of like kind of like in a park or grass area like there's something similar to that so that's a fun park to go to you don't even have to do like the flow part or you know the skate park type obstacles you can just stay up there and skate the ledges and shit oh that's right that's probably yeah that's probably my favorite park around these parts what about you patrick What, what parks are you most excited to skate you've got quite a selection la county Mm, what's the best park out here there's a newer one further out in the county further east called la puente which has this big dodger stadium style lights and that's a really fun park because they just installed a bold corner and it's actually a very fun park to skate there's really good taiwanese food nearby it's right in uh right in the edge of the san gabriel valley in terms of other big parks like that i actually really like the slow park san luis obispo in the central coast area and i'm actually going to go hit that next month because my wife's cousin is getting married and also going to check out the new skate shop ceremony which just opened up you should check them out they look like they're going to be awesome and apparently slow hasn't had a skate shop so they're fulfilling a very serious need shout out to all the homies at uh, at ceremony in terms of best ever i mean if we're talking you know when i'm looking back on the highlight reel i'd have to say Marseille, the bull and also honestly perry park Perry Park, like Mount Say was, you know, just even just carving around it, not really getting anything, but just in like Cartier did this, right? This was Phelps, Thrasher homies in the 90s, early 2000s. This was their favorite park in the world. And then with Perry Park, it was, wow, this is really elegant, beautiful, and useful design. People were having fun. Everybody's getting tricks. And nobody was getting in each other's way. And mind you, when we were there for Slow Impact, the place was rammed. I mean, there was people everywhere, everywhere. And yeah, that it still felt amazing. Yeah, that's an interesting thing about Perry. That that's like high up there on the list of for me too. I, you know, sadly only had half an hour there, but it was really nice that it didn't have flow. Like it it did like you could, you know, keep going as long as you wanted, but many people could be skating it all at the same time and not be getting in each other's way. And I think that like with those flow parks, it's kind of like. Yeah, if there's somebody there who rips and can skate the whole park, it's like everybody else just needs to sit back and watch that dude while they, you know, slay the entire park. All right, hard-hitting question. Whose responsibility is it to teach kids skate park etiquette? I think the oh, folks at the yeah. park, the elder elder skatesmen. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, pr- yeah, probably. Like, it's okay to vibe a, a young man or young lady if they're not following skate park etiquette, I guess. That's that's part of the uh, learning experience. What yeah, that's yeah. real life? You know, the, the it seems like there there are adults by which I mean people who are older than us who seem absolutely befuddled by young people 
And I think a big part of it is that it's like, you don't talk to them, just roll up and say something. You don't have to be this stern and angry disciplinarian. But, you know, for example, if you, you've got some kid, for example, dropping F-bombs at the skate park, you absolutely, you gotta, you gotta check them. You know, absolutely. Same thing with somebody who is just flowing, carving, hitting up the whole park, you know, snaking everybody. You know, it's not necessarily your responsibility, but if you feel like, if you feel just like, just pull up, you know, there is a way to address it. There's a way to do it without being condescending, without being rude. Now, if they're actually doing something and they're actually out of line, I'm just going to say this, do what you got to do. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the circle of life. Like, I mean, I definitely got vibe by older skaters like back in the day. Well, that was in the 90s where shit was damn bothering them. Oh, yeah. Everyone in the 90s, it was cool to be a dick. I've said that on the show before, but like that was like the wave. I mean, I remember the first time I met Mike Carroll a few years back, and I was terrified because he had such a fearsome reputation in all the magazines, and he's a super nice guy. But yeah, but they were, they were like, you got to remember, they, they were like 15, 16 year old kids back then. You know what I mean? With like very little, very, very little parental supervision. So it's kind of a different uh, situation there. Yeah, it's a. It was a very. It was a. Very, you're right. It was a very different era. But like I said, there's there's a way to be. There's a way to be chill about it, unless somebody is absolutely being crazy. For example, uh, this was not at a. This was not at a skate park, but I was at a, a flea market recently, and there was a young lady who was walking around with a trainee butterfly knife, just like looking that joint around. Right, it did not have a sharp blade on it, but here's the thing, that could be technically be considered menacing. Now. I'm not the sort of person who's going to be like, don't make me call the authorities or the cops. But wouldn't it, would you, do you all think it would have been okay to, to go up to this young lady and be like, yo, I know you just copped that from the flea market, but save that for when you get out of here so you don't make it hot for, for people or make people who are trying to shop uncomfortable. Like, is that out of pocket? I don't know. That, that feels a little, uh, I don't know, Karen, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if she has a butter, I'd just like walk away or something, thinking that best not to engage. <laughs> I mean, that was what, that's ultimately what I chose, you know, I chose to no, just like, and then, you know, and the thing is like, it, it was not so much menacing, you know, I mean, that is an actual legal term. It's like just like south of assault. But here's the thing. She had no idea what she was doing. Right. And here's the thing. If one false move, you know, that shit could have gone flying. And that's maybe the concern. So like, I'm of, of two minds. On one hand, I can see this as being like a potential Karen moment. On the other hand, it's just like, there's part of me just like, yo, just don't make it hot for everybody. You know, it's Sunday. We're chilling at the flea market. Don't, don't do something. Don't do something stupid. You know, am I the, you know, could I have been a voice of reason that interjected so that you didn't have to learn it the hard way? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can't call it, man. Especially in LA. Like you never know. Exactly. And that's, that's the, uh, that's the other part. So, you never, okay. You never, yeah. You never know who's you know, about her brother or cousin. You know what I mean? Exactly. Or oh, shit her. <laughs> yeah. Even her. Yeah. It's like, why'd you get the fuck out of my face with that old man? Yeah, yeah, yeah you never know. I'd, I'd probably just like do not engage. That's my general vibe on most things. <laughs> do not engage. Do not engage. Here's another question for y'all. What's your take on bringing your dog to the skate park? Man, I, <laughs> that's a weird one, man. I, I feel like you should probably leave the dog at home. I, I've seen plenty of dogs that handle the skate park just fine, but if you got your dog chasing you around what in the middle of your run like your dog's probably getting in the way unless your dog's super cute and friendly like then kind of get a pass yeah i've seen that happen like especially at a really small park like the dog's like you know like just like running by an owner and shit and like it's hard for everyone, for everyone else to do shit so i don't know it's kind of fun at first 
I think the thing I think about this with dogs is I mostly see well-behaved dogs at skate parks. Sometimes scary looking, but well-behaved. And the key thing is the owner has to be engaged with the dog at all times. It can't just be them going and skating such and such because that's where it, it can get tricky. And then also, also, if there's like a side area where people can just post up and hang out, is that necessarily a bad thing? You know? yeah. yeah, I mean, it, if the dog is chill, there's more, uh, more a wider margin for error, I guess. But, you know, some people are scared of dogs, no matter how cute or chill they are. So you got to just remember that you're in a shared space. Not a lot of people think about that. And not a lot of people think tend to think. It seems like a lot of people don't really think about others and how we can introduce that into skate park behavior. I mean, we'd be working some miracles. But, I mean, it's gotten a lot better over the last few years compared to, say, when we were younger, where it was Vibe City. Yeah. Well, I think shared space is an interesting thing. And, like, that's kind of a new direction that skate parks seem to be going or skate spaces we'll say you know uh i skated this park in wenatchee washington uh metho street park and it's just there's a a couple of skatable elements a bank to curb a ledge and like a curved ledge and they're kind of on the outskirts of a half basketball court and it's a shared space so you know there's a there's a basketball game happening like you can't really skate the ledges and that's just something that you know, you have to negotiate with the other users of the park. And I think that that's, I think it's a good thing that there's shared space because that's, that's part of life is sharing and negotiating. And sometimes you don't get to ride. Like sometimes there's a game going on. And I, I think, I think we need more shared space because it's more efficient. And for, for the most part, the skaters would probably get to skate most of the time. I agree. And also we're living in a crisis of friendship and a crisis of loneliness in wealthy industrialized countries like the U.S. People are just isolated for days on end in in lots of different ways and not spending enough time interacting with people. I mean, it's kind of amazing if you think about it. Skateboarding compared to the world that especially a lot of young people live in almost seems like a relic. You know, the fact that you're engaging with people, you're you're, you're pulling up, you're saying hi, you're, you're making small talk. You make friends, you might even make an enemy or two, but you're engaging with people on a regular basis in a shared space. And that's something that's particularly powerful. And that's, I think, a huge selling point for skateboarding. And more importantly, it's not necessarily competitive. And then I have this question. How do you deal with baseball dads at skate parks? By which I mean, or I guess skate dads, whatever you want to call them, but people who are effectively trying to coach their their children to greatness. Because I hate that shit. Yeah, I've never really seen that. How about you, Jason? You ever seen that? Yeah, I haven't really seen that out here. I mean, I've, I've seen see some dads that come and skate the bowl, and the kids will be skating too, but not, I haven't really seen like the uh, overbearing sports parent, uh, Tom Marinovich type shit going on. Probably more so in Cali, I think. Right, Patrick? Yep, that's correct. It's um, Orange County and L.A. County in particular. It's really, really bad. I think I've seen it a little bit in San Diego, and it's problematic for a whole number of reasons. But that's not why any of us got into skateboarding. I did not get into skateboarding to win anything, you know, or to be the best. I would love to have a nice frontside flip, you know. That's going to take some time. It may never happen, but it is not, uh, you know, I'm not out here to win trophies. I'm not out here to get sponsored. And the majority of people are not trying to do that either. And it feels weird seeing these guys just like making their blood, making their blood pressure skyrocket 
No, because their four-year-old can't land uh, an ollie down a 10-stair. Shameful. Yeah, I can't imagine. Four, four-year-old, eh? Really? I mean, like, little kids. Like, I see really, really young children at the skate park. And usually in the mornings, you know, it's not during yeah. high traffic hours, but still, you know, shouldn't you just be, like, chilling, watching cartoons, playing in the sandbox? Yeah, I mean, like, well, my whole thing is, you know, I've said this before in this podcast, like, if you're going to be an overbearing sports parent, skating is probably the worst sport because the chance that you make a lot of money is, like, next to nothing. Like, yeah, you can't even get a college scholarship. No, 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 no. Like, the best sport to be an overbearing sports parent is baseball like teach your kid to be a left-handed pitcher even if they're right-handed teaching me a left-handed pitcher because oh. then they can work they can work till they're like 55 or something exactly you know a couple tommy john surgery is here and there but they'll mostly they'll be they'll be good to go but you're right and you raise a really important point there's no money in it and also on top of that if you're an overbearing skate parent guess what that reputation is going to follow you we've talked about a couple of pros whose parents were way too involved shit yeah, I, I think this is all the money, the overbearing parents. I think it's all leading into our next topic. When uh, Nija, Lizzie Armanto, and Ashad get together in one video, we have to watch, even if we don't want to. The squad went in globally for Monster's side mission, a Stax tour video across Europe with a ton of people. Patrick, what are some of the highlights from this 40-minute piece for you? Maybe I shouldn't have started with you for the highlights. Because I know you got, maybe you got more lowlights than highlights, but hit me with some highlights, Patrick. I'm coming through, I'm coming through heavy with the hate. Actually, no. Here's the thing. The skating in the video was really, really, really good. I really like Gabriel Fortunato's part. Uh, Jorge Simos, the dude who was drifting in the BMW in, I think it's Porto. I looked up the signs. Uh, the skating is good. I mean, the fact that this is just B-roll leftover stuff from a Europe trip. So a whole bunch of the other stuff is probably going to other videos and to edits and to uh, other projects. I don't know if it's B-roll. Didn't feel like B-roll. Like it, felt, it felt pretty... Uh, or, I mean, it's like tour tour footage, but it felt pretty top-notch. And, you know, they, they covered a lot of ground, so I wonder if this was a multi-leg tour because, you know, you have obviously Mediterranean stuff, so Greece and Portugal. They went as far as Israel. Um, there's also quite a bit of Berlin footage in there, too. But we could talk about the skating all day. I'm going to keep it 100. The music destroyed this video for me it rendered a lot of the skateboarding in this video bland and here's why because they went for a lot of i guess like paint by numbers of whatever genre the hip-hop that they included the cold wave i often complain about this on on thrasher videos it's like paint by numbers cold wave and also they picked a lot of songs where the vocals were mixed very very low it's almost like it creates a din and so it's almost like this it's it's an oral soup and so what ends up happening is that you almost kind of start to zone out. At least this is how I was feeling. And what that tells me is that whoever decided to do the music supervision for this video really doesn't care about skateboarding. And here's why. Because creating a skate video is not a random act. It's something deliberate. It's serious. It takes an incredible amount of work. And the music that they chose was incredibly anonymous. That's basically them saying that we don't care about this. This is skateboarding. Who really cares? It was, I had that feeling too. I had that feeling too, and I looked at the credits, and there was like an Andre Nicotina song. I was like, "What? I didn't hear that." Like there, there was like legit music, but somehow it got like grayed out or something. I don't know. Uh, Merrick the present song was really good. He's oh, he's really good. He's really good. But he skated to um, Jay Worthy before London Drugs, whatever that group is called. 
Yeah, but still, like, the music was mixed. It was, and, and maybe it was a mixing issue on the track, not the actual um, sound mixing of putting the track against the timeline. But a lot of the songs that they chose, especially anything with guitars in it, uh, was so badly mixed. It made a lot of footage look underwhelming. And also, there were some strange choices. You know, like, we only got, like, a taste of Ishad, like a tiny bit of Ishad. And uh, Mike is actually not on the pod today because um, he caught a stomach bug and isn't feeling well. But something that Mike asked was, what if all of this money and effort was put into Ishad's sledgehammer part? And I got to think about that. Think about it. They put all this time and effort into Ishad delivering a part edited to Peter Gabriel's stone cold classic sledgehammer. It would be the crowning achievement in Ishad's skate career. But anyway, back to this video. You know, the worrisome thing about Monster and to an extent Red Bull, Scion when they were in the alternative lifestyle media skating extreme sports game is that all this stuff is kind of done at will and it could end tomorrow. These, you know, these are, you know, effectively acting as benefactors. And yes, Monster pays well. Yes, Monster sponsors a lot of people. Yes, Monster pays some people better than any of their sponsors, even their shoe sponsors combined. But it's disrespectful for, it's disrespectful to skating to release something this bland, this tasteless. Like it, 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 it's, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm mad old school. I'm, I'm, um, I'm a big fan of, um, that quote from High Fidelity, you know, it's not what you're like, it's what you like. Not seriously, but a little bit of some good music taste, this would have been a banger video. Which is some people's, at least maybe my opinion of Monster, but instead it just reinforced my my prejudices. Yeah, I mean, uh, like a 40-minute energy drink video in this economy, like, uh, I mean, full disclosure, I drink energy drinks like all day. Like Monster, my favorite one is C4 right now. You know, just to make it through the day on the daily grind, but like they're pretty C- much C four send send uh, send Jason a pallet. Oh yeah, dude! Like not even joking. But, uh, or Red Bull or Monster. Yeah, yeah, like but they're pretty much all the same. They all have like tw- two hundred milligrams of caffeine. Like, um, well, the regular Monster has a lot of sugar, which isn't good, but you know, all the sugar free ones are pretty much the same. Uh, that being said, uh, what was good about this video? Uh, Mark surprised these part. Was very Eurotech. Uh, he's the man that only left. Might watch again. Uh, the drifting was like the best part. Uh, that guy's really good with with the esoteric lens tricks. I, I seems like he's on Plan B or Plan B Flow or Plan B Europe or some shit. Whatever that means. Um, I like the Israel spots. Picked that up, you know, via the Hebrew signage. Oh, was there? A, is it? One of them was one of the spots. Uh, is it in Tel Aviv? Is it in the uh, the Kennedy Memorial, the JFK Memorial? Is that one of them? Oh, I don't know. There's a, a the famous plaza in Tel Aviv is like uh, the Golda Meir Plaza, or everyone just calls it Golda. But I didn't see that in there. Oh, so that's why th- I think there's a crew out there called Golda, or they they made a oh no, it's finer, but they made a video called Golda, and I guess that's that's named after the spot. Yeah, probably. Okay, okay, but um. Yes, it, besides that, like, yeah, I know it's a check. It's probably, like, a, a good check, very consistent. But, uh, yeah, like, the the music, yeah, I don't know. The editing, I don't know. Um, I thought the editing was fine. The uh, one thing I did was that the titles moved a little bit too quickly. So, for example, it was hard for me to see a couple of people's names. Like, there was, uh, is it Dilamani uh, Dilamani who skated after Charlie Monroe or had a shared part with Charlie yeah, Monroe? Yeah, yeah, six skating, but you know, I had to, you know, go back twice to find his name, and then eventually just gave up and just googled it again. Like I thought it was well shot and well edited. Um, oh yeah, by the way, Aurelien Giraud, 
is actually really good. And <laughs> I know because I've, I've never seen a street. This would be, I don't know if you could consider this a street part, but uh, plan B, whatever you're doing, you need to pay him way more money. And I like it's it, like he is so beyond my like my normal taste in skaters, but I don't know. It's just like he, he like it's like he's going for a bit. Like he he's easy. Like he's double. He's got the tattoos. He's doing tray flips on glass tables. Like I don't know. For some reason, it works for him, but it doesn't work for Nigel. Or maybe it's just permanent beef between me and Nigel, even though I've never met that guy. I think yeah, you're yeah. you're a bit of a francophile as well, uh, Patrick. So he gets a couple extra bonus points just for being French. That's that, 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 that might could be it. Might could be it. But no, like he's actually really 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 good and whenever he drops a proper street part i'm sure it will be it'll actually be fun but i mean then there's you know nija he had the last part and i'm reminded of a line from a song called the the empty by la tigra and there's a line in there i went to your concert and i didn't feel anything and that's often the way i feel whenever i watch nija skate even though i know he's good also does he do people not film him pushing hmm yeah i don't see a lot i don't see him pushing does he have a weird push, like a, like a gait that he is ashamed of? Like, uh, I think could so. be. I mean, he might just be into like the powerful, like two trick lines and stuff. Like, he did some crazy shit in this video. I can't really remember much of it, but I remember watching him being like, wow. Like, he did a line at that Berlin spot with like the two eight stairs. Yeah. I don't remember the tricks. I think it's like Nolly inward heel flip for the last trick, but I was like, damn, that's impressive. And then, oh, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Oh, he, I mean, that's it. And then nothing, you know. What were you going to say? Grant Taylor. Why are we not talking about him? He, like, you felt like he was buried in this video. Like, I feel like a lot of people didn't get the shine that they should have. And do well, you I think, I think that's on them. I don't, I don't think anybody is like, oh, I've got a full Grant Taylor part and I'm just not going to use it. It's just like, yeah, Grant did a couple of frontside ollies and then flew home. And same with Ashad, you know, Ashad was just like, yeah, I went on this one tour, I did a couple of tricks, and then I went home, like, fulfilled my monster obligations, and he's on to more important things. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tour video, you know, some people people come on and off, some tweaks their ankle, they go home, you know. True. I did read, I read the, the Niger interview in Thrasher some months ago, where he talks about, it was an extensive one, I mean, they gave him the full treatment and everything, and he talked about quite a few of the controversies in his life, including some of the very serious sexual assault allegations that have been levied against him. But also, one of the people who uh, did wrote his introduction for this interview said, this is a dude who is getting, you know, he's, he's up before everybody and getting clips. And sometimes I wonder, if necessary, you know, there's no performance reviews in skateboarding. You know, there's no, like, there's no supervisor who's going to, except for uh, Carter, you know, calling and checking in on Dill, in photosynthesis, is that really necessary? I mean, granted, there's something amazing about getting up early and getting a bunch of tricks. I imagine he gets off on that. And photographers and filmers are like, hey, he's going to do this in a few tricks, you know, in a few tries, like get this done before 10 a.m. Bet. Good idea, bet. What, what do y'all think about it? I respect the hustle. What about you, Jason? Yeah, I mean, I love it. Like, he's, that to me, that's like being professional, you know? True. I mean, he, he is at a level. Professionalism. He, 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 he is... He may not be the coolest guy in skateboarding, certainly not in my eyes, but I'm not going to deny that he is an elite tier skateboarder and can do some amazing tricks on a skateboard. And um, he doesn't necessarily look great on a skateboard and his fits are often questionable, but there are worse dressed people out there. But um, yeah, you're right. Like on one hand, yeah, there are no rules in skateboarding and there are no guidance counselors or people who are watching over you and needling you to do X or Y. 
unless you're ridiculously, you know, out of line. On the other hand, for Nigel, like he stacks clips like it's nothing. And I, I imagine that that's comes with him. What's that like working with skaters who every time you go out with them, they got something and it's easy. Like, that not sounds that amazing. Sounds amazing. You know, I would go out with skaters who would just like, you know, we drive 45 minutes to a spot and they just look at it and they're like, nah. Yeah. You know, often like, oh, that's, you know, this takeoff is like a little bit weird or whatever. And I'm just like, dude, just fucking skate, man. So, yeah, I would love I would love to film with somebody like Nadja. You know, and every everybody I've talked to who's who's been around him filming is like, you know, he does his shit fast, even the craziest shit. And like, got to respect it. Got to respect it. So, I mean, Jason, you know, to your point about professionalism, is there a way to be professional as a pro skater and still be chill? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, since the beginning of time, a soy, the soy was always, well, professionalism in terms of like showmanship, you know what I mean? You go to the contest, like kill it, get like third, second, first or whatever, you know, um, really coward. I remember some of you like, you know, he would he'd film, uh, like it didn't take him very long to film his virtual part. Like, what? That, that's what I read somewhere. Like, it didn't take them long. So, yeah, you can be professional and chill for sure. Like, if you like, if you're insanely good, I guess. Yeah. I think it's a little harder these days with social, you know, like you can't just put out a video part and chill for six months as people used to do. But I think it's still possible. And like, if, if you love skating, it shouldn't be that hard. Does that energize? I guess I wonder, does that energize other people in the van? I bet it does. What was that, Jason? Oh, it has to, I think. Yeah. Right? Or, or, or do you need like a Mike Ternaski to kind of stir things up a little bit and be like, hey, what's up, y'all? Good morning. Nice to see you at the Continental Breakfast. <laughs> you know, uh, Nigel, he was out since 7 o'clock this morning, and um, I think he got at least two enders. I don't know about y'all. Like That's what Mike Mike Ternaski used to do, right? That was his kind of wind up, wind people up and, and create a sense of competition, right? Uh, I think that's the story. Uh, something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, it like skating with good people makes you want to skate good. You learn faster, you're motivated, you see what's possible. So seeing Nigel out there skating has got to fucking, I don't know, got to light a fire under your ass. I guess so. So what's what's the opposite? I think what is, you know, is there a person or a personality in skating that is just a party vortex that they get in the van all of a sudden you're wiling out? Oh, yeah, I'm sure there's tons of people like that, you know, who just like will bring people down with them and you got to be careful that's why like uh i don't know nick nick trapassa in in the, one of the recent thrashers like yeah interview and he used to do some shit like that just like super annoying like little kid shit in the van it's funny in hindsight actually yeah i mean that's also that's a youth thing you know you I, hopefully you you grow out of it and hopefully you're on a team where you know people understand i i can't imagine what it must have been like to be on say those tours like the world blind 101 like the whole uh world or dwindle whatever you want to call them you know whole distro tours going out so all those teams together at such a wide variety of people i think there was one from what summer 96 oh yeah it was uh i saw that demo it was like lavar kane gale maurice key a bunch of other guys marcus probably probably and uh, rodney driving the van <laughs> <laughs> God, that must have been so weak. You had to see you 16 and Rodney is freaking out behind the wheel. Gotta be stoked on that. Which brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Jason, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked on Venture Trucks, uh, manufactured in 
San Francisco, California. Uh, still found a little plazication I took to DC a couple days ago to celebrate um, my two years of being sober. Just skated Pulaski all day. It was, it was amazing, fucking incredible. A little bit late with this one, but still found the Scumco uh, Striking Distance 2 vid featuring a uh, local boy, uh, Tyler Beal. Very good video. Oh, yeah. So good, so good, dude. And stoked on something in the near future. Uh, Samantha Jancola is apparently going to be back on Jersey Shore uh, or whatever iteration of Jersey Shore exists now, like Jersey Shore Family Vacation or whatever. Uh, probably in May, May or June even, but uh, definitely stoked on that. Definitely something to look forward to. Patrick, what are you stoked on? Uh, I'm actually low-key stoked on uh, return to uh, Sammy's return to Jersey Shore. That could be all right. <laughs> I think that might be like my guilty pleasure watch this summer. So this week I am stoked on Spitfire Wheels, also out of San Francisco, California. I'm also stoked on the fact that the Harold Hunter Foundation has been nominated for nonprofit slash social skate project of the year at the Slaggies, which is the which is the Skate Like a Girl Awards. <laughs> the Slaggies. Uh, also, really, I'm I'm hyped on this. Hulu just announced they're going to be doing a documentary on Freak Nick. The wildest party never told. Yeah, don't, bro. If you don't know what Freak Nick was, when this podcast wraps up, go on YouTube and pull up some clips. <laughs> and finally, I'm very stoked on the fact that the your skating on native land panel from Slow Impact is now on YouTube. Y'all get to see what we saw uh, last month in Tempe. Absolutely mind blowing stuff. All the panel discussions are available. Templeton, what you stoked on this week? I'm stoked on old skate magazines. I got a small stack of early 80s, like late 70s, actually, uh, like Action Now and Skateboarder magazines. And it's pretty cool to flip through them, you know, like, of course, we've all seen like the stuff that's on the nostalgia pages, you know, Science versus Life, uh, Chrome Ball, whatever. But like to see the magazines and like, there's a lot of shit in there, you know, like a lot of stuff that's not iconic. And it's kind of funny to to just like, take that all in so stoked on some old skate magazines find some find a shop that has a look back library and go go flip through some old skate magazines and see how far we've come in the last 40 something years that's it for our show this week be sure to check out mostly skateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes until next time you can keep up with us all week online patrick where can the people find you you can find me on twitter under the handle at colonel k speaks or on instagram on the handle at pkigongo, you can also find me doing stuff for the Harold Hunter Foundation because I am still chair of the director's board. Jason, where can the people find you on Bobby 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 Digi Digi Digi's internet? On Twitter at Carbonite1994, on Instagram at Frozen Carbonite, and writing stuff for ChorusX.com. Uh, new stuff coming sooner rather than later. So be on the lookout. Uh, Templeton, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Mostly Skate and on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. See you guys next week. Later.